Listening to WSQF 94.5 Blink Radio on beautiful Key Biscayne and live from the studios of the M Network. This is Antisocial, a show that takes the banal and shallow debate and discourse of social media and adds depth, breadth, and just a hint of sarcasm and humor. I'm Tom Mosloom, owner of the M Network branding, advertising, and strategic communications firm. Tony Winton, my longtime co host, is off today. So joining me, is my very good friend and polar opposite, quite frankly, uh, Emily Cardenas. Emily is smart, she's cultured, she's opinionated, and she is the executive editor of both the weekly Miami Times and the monthly Biscayne Times newspaper. Emily, yes, thank you for jumping in with both feet. You're really saving my hide Glad today. Glad to be here, but I'm not convinced we're polar opposites, but that's okay. We can debate <laughs> that later. <laughs> I think some of our okay. listeners are hoping they're hoping we're polar yeah. opposites. They've been listening to me for a while. Okay. So um, why don't you tell us about the uh, the Miami Times and the Biscayne Times? That's a recent merger. Uh, Garth has had the, uh, the the Miami Times has been in his family forever. That's right. Um, largest black newspaper in Miami. Historic. Largest black newspaper in the South. Wow. And um, has been around for almost 100 years. It will be 100 years old in just a couple of years. So, yeah, so the Miami Times has been at the forefront of um, civil rights for uh, almost 100 years. It is a weekly publication that focuses on news uh, relevant to the black community uh, in all of Miami-Dade County and parts of Southern Broward. And the Biscayne Times has been around for a lot less, but it's made, um, I think, a big impact in a short Time, you know, a little about 15 years or so. And um, it focuses on uh, government, politics, lifestyle, arts and culture, uh, dining and drinking, all from Brickell, uh, hugging Biscayne Boulevard all the way up through Aventura. So it has a very large uh, footprint. And that's, you know, for everybody that lives in that um, Biscayne Boulevard corridor. Like me. Like you. Like me. Yeah. I read it every week. Every month when it comes out, every month when it comes out. Um, So it's, it's gotta have been just a crazy year for both of those papers. Uh, How has, I mean, everything from the pandemic to black lives matter to the crazy election that we just went through, how has that impacted how you guys have covered news locally? Well, I think just like every other news outlet, um, the coronavirus and uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, starting with the uh, murder of George Floyd, has has dominated um, everything. And uh, it's just one of those things. I'm I'm looking forward to the day when our coverage is not so dominated by the coronavirus. Frankly, I think we're all ready for for a break there. Oh, my God. No kidding. um, So, you know, from from the way COVID has impacted, you know, business, our lives, our daily lives, our our arts and cultural institutions. And um, so, for example, I'm, I'm really big right now on on covering live events because I cannot cover another virtual event. I mean, that's like it's just really hard for as a news organization to cover virtual events. 
and, you know, from from an image, for pictures. Um, and I think people are tired of it. The people don't want to. No, the there's d- there's anymore. no doubt there is covid fatigue yeah. has been going on for about eight months mm-hmm. <laughs> out of the 12 right. months. We've been sick of it for about eight months. How happy are you that there is live theater Oh my God, I am such Back. a theater buff, and so for me, it's it's critical. I mean, a few, uh, a couple, you know, several weeks ago now, it must be a couple months ago now. During after the New Year, around Christmas time, I went to see Seven Deadly Sins down on Lincoln Road, and that was, you know, I was like, mask up, let's go. I'm I'm ready. So I I am so ready. You're I'm, vaccinated. I I have my second vaccine in two weeks, and then I am masking up. I will be in the theaters if they open. I don't care if I've got people shoulder to shoulder. I am there. I got a different type of vaccine. What's that? I actually got. Oh, you got. The, 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 I know. actually got COVID, I so I was just tested. I still have the right. antibodies. I'm like, I'm going to dinner. I just need to be out somewhere. You I know, just need. I, have, I have to tell you, even when 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 COVID was only a few weeks old, I predicted this was going to last a lot longer than people thought. And I went and ordered. I remember back in the day when my mother was a young woman and she dressed to the nines with, with gloves up to the elbows just to go, you know, to go out. Right, right, right. And I actually ordered, I've got them at home. I ordered silk gloves in like four different colors. Cause I'm like, when the theater's open, I'm going and I'm gotten, got my gloves. I got my sequin masks. I'm ready to roll. Well, I think that brings us uh, to our first guest. Yes. Uh, and I'm, 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 I can't, t- Emily not only dove in and guest hosted, she actually booked the first guest. So, <laughs> so, um, you're in. I'm I, when Tony comes back. I'm leaving and retiring. Oh, it's just going to be you and right? he because okay. you do a better job at this than I ever did. Um, Barbara Stein, who most of you already know, is the co-founder and executive produ- executive producing director of Actors Playhouse at the Miracle Theater. Uh, Ms. Stein, thank you so much for joining us. I can't tell you how happy I am one to have you on the show, but to be able to say that live theater is back at the Playhouse. So uh, tell us about the long layoff, the return of the performances, and uh, it's the Wizard of Oz, right? Like, how apropos. Exactly, exactly. First of all, I'm so glad you all, and I hope many more, are anxious to come back, because we can't wait to greet you. And now I know what to do with my long gloves, Emily, from years (laughs) past. I'm going to start wearing them to the theater, too, with you. That's right. But anyway, um, we're very excited about um, just recently opening up for our children's theater. And uh, it's been a long year for us. I mean, as the story goes, um, we were about to open up the big Broadway musical Camelot. And on the 17th of March is when we had to close down, send our actors home. And of course, the entire show and all the production costs were all prepaid. So it was tragic for us to, to have that happen. And in just a drastic financial situation. And, you know, you, like everybody else, we scurry to make things do, to create virtual programming, to create new licensing, to move our season. Well, we thought we were going to move it to this fall, but of course it's getting moved just one more year to the next fall. But the same season we're looking forward to doing. But we're so happy that we made this a little bit of a risk in December when we first opened up the Children's Theater with Madeline's Christmas, and we found that the community was just came with open arms and so happy to have family events. And one of the reasons we can do that, first of all, with all safety precautions, as a matter of fact, um, 
social distancing. So we were using our main stage, 600-seat theater, for our events because we could at least book up to 200 people in that auditorium. And and then we, we created um, wonderful new touchless bathrooms uh, just to make people feel comfortable and to do the right thing for our guests. And, and they've already been installed through a grant to the Miami Foundation. We're very grateful to them. So opening the Children's Theater was a real um, risk, but it panned out to be great. And so we're just actually tomorrow and Sunday is the closing day of our second show, The Wizard of Oz. But then again, we open up in April another great musical, The Jungle Book. But I must tell you, the greatest thing we're doing from this pandemic and something we've always wanted to do is we're creating a professionally filmed video library of our children's programming. And starting Monday, The Wizard of Oz that was on stage for the last few weeks is going to be streamed live on demand uh, for one month. And it's, it's actually a great video production. I, I don't think you miss a beat. It's that's, like watching that's, a very, that's very exciting, Barbara. I think that that's fabulous. And I think a lot of institutions are starting to videotape their performances now because they've learned their lessons mm-hmm. from this. And they have figured out how to turn it into an additional revenue stream if they're not offering it for free. Tell me a little bit about um, your plans for when 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 you bring theater uh, for 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 the grownups. I know that that you had to furlough a lot of folks. Hopefully, you'll be able to bring many of them back or or hire other folks who are who are available. Um, I know you had to you know the, the the stage folks, all of the carpenters, all of those people. Um, you had to, you know, let go uh, while while we were waiting for for this uh, for the world to come back. Um, tell me about what you're what you're planning um, for for um, professional theater and what the challenges are with the union, with Actors' Equity rules, and and what you think you'll be able to accomplish, and and what what shows you've got that you're planning. Well, I'm happy to do that, Emily. Um, actually, the reason we could produce our children's shows is because. They're non-union professional actors. So the thing that's really holding us up in all the theaters across the country and Broadway is that um, because of COVID, the Actors' Equity Association, the union of professional actors, is being very specific about uh, contracting actors in areas, first of all, where COVID is very predominant and also um, safety issues that they're trying to figure out actually day by day because things are changing and lightening mm-hmm. up a little bit. So we can't even get a union contract right now for a one-woman show. Although the good news is I think that we are going to be okay by the time late August and September rolls around when we plan to produce Fakata. Fakata is the life of a Latino woman, a day in the life of a Latino woman with um, Elena Maria Garcia. It's a fabulous, funny show. For all general audiences, I'm going to help and you with the can... pronunciation there. Fuakata. 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 Oh, I'm it. a gringo, right? Okay, sorry. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted. Like uh, man. No, it's okay. You know, Emily, I've known like... Emily for 20 years. She's never let anyone get away with no, anything. No, no, never. No. <laughs> so, so yeah, Barbara. The truth is, I didn't make A's in Spanish, okay? okay. I didn't, I didn't, okay? So, so, so besides Fuacata, what else do you have on the line? Not Fuacata. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, now we can laugh, right? Okay, yes. Okay, well, well, very excitingly, in November, we're planning to open up Middletown. It's a great show. It's going to feature some, actually, star talent that we're bringing in. 
uh, individuals who have become very familiar. I can't give names out now. We're just in the middle with casting agents in New York contracting them. But there'll be some um, stars and familiar names on stage. And that show will be playing for six weeks, November through December. Very excited about that. That was on our original schedule, too, to open up this last November. And then in January 2022, we're going to be producing the sensational Broadway music on your feet, the Gloria and Emilio Stefan story. We just can't wait. There's so much enthusiasm for this show. And we're, our fingers are crossed that the union will be lightening up and we'll be able to bring in about 26 actors and 10 musicians on stage and, and be able to really host a full house with the production, with the cost that's going to have. And then we're doing Murder on the Orient Express. This was one of the shows we had planned to present in the season that closed down. Oh, I, so I was so yeah, waiting yeah. for that one. Well, no, I'm, well, I'm into On Your Feet, plus a special shout-out to my very good friend, Bernie Eumann, who uh, who produced the original, the Broadway version. Oh, wow, wow. Well, I hope he comes down to see ours. We're, he we're lives really, here. He lives in Miami. I'm, hey, Bernie, if you're listening, um, you're going to be my guest at this show, okay? Well, right now, um, uh, Andy Senor Jr. is going to be the director. And he was the assistant director in the Broadway production and, and actually ran the whole shebang and international tours. So Andy's a great guy. And we've got some nice casting options that, you know, aren't cemented right now. But it's going to be a fabulous run. And it's also going to just be welcoming everybody with open arms that are just very anxious to see a very fun musical, especially in Miami, glorious hometown. Barbara, give, give us a sense of the uh, of the impact having people in the theater has had both on you and the actors. And I mean, I don't think people really understand how many people are impacted in a positive light. Everybody from the set builders to the hair and makeup to wardrobe to you mean people who clean people up. Back? You mean and ha- yeah, back? and yeah. just just having theater again. I mean, you know, I, I imagine it's an emotional experience. Those first few shows when you were just start just starting again, and probably everyone after that. Give us a sense of what it's meant to everybody to be able to open up, and what you've heard and seen from the crews and the actors, and even from the from the patrons. Well, I think it just feels good. I mean, first of all, this is their livelihood, and many of them scrambled to get a supplementary job. Some didn't. We carried people as long as we could on the payroll uh, protection plan in the beginning. So, no, they're just thrilled. I mean, actors like to be on stage. They're a breed unto their own, and the technical people. uh, We've actually been managing that a lot of in-house, the people who still remain with us have been double-dutying to get things up. We, We had to conserve dollars. You know, we lost some, I'd say about two and a half million dollars last year, loss of income. Now, of course, we didn't produce some of those shows, too, so it balances. But um, it it was a tragic year for us, and we're just very fortunate to have a good business plan and great sponsors and sustain us. But I'm going to tell you, this Sunday, I'm coming back into the theater for the first time to give a little curtain speech. We have some very special guests coming to the theater. And um, I'm, I'm thinking about, and I, I dream about this, actually, how I'm probably going to have chills by just getting on that stage to say hello. It, it's been almost two years. Emily, Emily and, and I have a side bet on tears. I'm betting tears, Emily says now. Yeah. No, well, I, 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 I agree. Tell you. <laughs> no, I'll be crying. 
I, I could tell you that I, I, I really think I will. If you would have asked me this question next week, I could have given you a different answer. But I assure you it's going to be emotional for me. And uh, But you know something? I, I, we're all so busy just keeping things going, and sustainability is very important. Mm-hmm. And, and most of all, looking to the future because, you know, we have a lot of great things to offer, and people are out there. Our our supporters have been fabulous. Barbara, our, I hate to interrupt because we are out of time, but I do want to end by saying how much I applaud the theater for um, for being brave enough uh, at, to to sacrifice uh, profits to open the theater uh, to just break even and have theater social distancing when a lot of other theaters um, have declined to do so. Way to go, so, Barbara. So, Wait, what, applause, ovation to you. Absolutely. We are here for the community because the community is always there for us. And I welcome you back when we open up for the main stage. Thank you, Barbara. Thanks. We are excited and we will be there. Thank you so much, Barbara Stein, uh, producing uh, director of the... Actors, Actors Playhouse, Playhouse at the Miracle, Miracle Theater. Theater. I'm so happy. I am so happy they're back. Uh, and please go to the theater. Please support them. You guys are listening to Antisocial on 94.5 WSQFFM. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, we're back on Antisocial. You're listening to WSQFFM Key Biscayne. I'm Tom Mosloom. Emily, I am... Uh, I am. I'm, I'm so stoked that there's, like, live theater. I, I'm... I, and I just... I, I, it's like I didn't know I missed it this much. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll bring more people to the theater. I know how they're going to get there. How do you think? Train... A self-driving car. Ooh. <laughs> That's a really clumsy That's transition. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awful transition. However, it was the, it was the best I it's could do on short notice. It's better than the notice. traffic I was into to get here. <laughs> I went better. Yes, downtown is a bear. Uh, our next guest um, is the most interesting man in the world. He's at least the most interesting man in the studio. <laughs> How about that? Um, uh, Alex Roy is uh, is our guest. He's a friend of mine. He uh, was the record holder for the uh, Cannonball Rice, which is run. New, Cannonball Run, New York to L.A. Yes. In 31 hours, four minutes. That was considered. Fa- that, that was fast at one Let's time. Let's digest that. For I just can't. One I can't make it to Fort Lauderdale in that time. Right. <laughs> uh, and also the EV version of the Cannonball Run. Uh, yeah, that was uh, I think forty. F- so I did it in f- fifty hours because it's longer to 60- charge. Yeah, because it's longer to charge. That's the difference. It's yeah. a it's a it's a tougher gas schedule. And then the uh, the semi autonomous. Yeah, that was also in a Tesla. Um, that was the same. That was the same record. That was fifty hours. Rally car driver, podcaster, movie maker, uh, all round interesting guy, and also uh, the uh, director of special operations for a company called Argo. Uh, now they're affiliated with Ford, but they're 
testing autonomous self-driving cars here in Miami. That's right. So, so Argo AI is a self-driving technology developer uh, and Ford and VW are its investors. And so in the United States, Miami is the first market where Ford is going to commercialize these vehicles. Why? Well, if you, <laughs> I mean, why Miami? Why Miami? Is that the question? Yeah, the concept of hey, you know, let's um, let's test self-driving cars in a city that's bumper-to-bumper that, traffic twenty-four-seven, possibly the worst drivers on the planet. Like, have you figured out the algorithm behind the scoring system? Because when you drive in Miami, there's, I can tell there must be a scoring system. I just don't know what it is. Well, well I mean, first of all, you want to. <laughs> Selecting a city in which to commercialize, there's a lot of factors that go, to, go into it. First of all, you want to start in a place that has pretty good weather most of the time. You don't want to start in Alaska. <laughs> you, know, uh, you, know, uh, you want a city where there, uh, that has issues you can improve. For example, uh, the, there are transit deserts in almost every city. But Miami is an interesting city because it doesn't really have a, a, a transit system. Almost everyone relies on cars. I'm originally a New Yorker. So people, you can walk most places. Yep. You can take a train, you can bus. But in Miami, you have a lot of people that have only one option, and that's to drive. And we have a train that goes nowhere. Right. So, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, parking is a real problem in Miami. And I lived here briefly about 15 years ago. It's much worse now. Mm-hmm. And so what are the things you can do? with an autonomous vehicle that unlock a lot of other things. And a great parallel for that is like the elevator. I've been studying elevator history. Like think about life before elevators. The most expensive real estate was the ground floor. Buildings were limited to seven stories and um, commercial, you know, locations of commercial businesses um, were often, you know, storage was on higher floors and people lived in the ground floor. It was really messed up. Think about it, but you, when you installed elevators, you added electrification and you added you know, steel structures, you could build buildings that were taller. Density went up, quality of life improved for a lot of people, and suddenly people could live in higher floors. And you unlocked so much value in real estate. Autonomous vehicles will do that, plus make the streets safer, plus eliminate the need for parking, and you start unlocking a lot more value How for How does a lot it eliminate people. the need for parking? Well, think about it. you drive, you drove here, did you not? Yeah, it took me 20 minutes to find a parking space. Don't, don't get her started, man. <laughs> okay. Come on. I, I, had, I had multiple calls about this while she was on okay, her way. So, so what happens to the car? I get out of the autonomous car. It leaves. It leaves. It like goes, an Uber. It disappears. It goes, picks up someone else and goes, does, does its thing. And uh-huh. so uh, the difference is that it can do that without uh, the risk that a lot of human drivers and I've seen some driving in Miami that made me a little uncomfortable. Mm. Um, so these are cars that are not designed to, for people to, to own. So uh, the first generation, uh, or at least I'm going to speak on behalf of Argo and companies like mm-hmm. Argo, uh, will be a fleet operated commercial service, like mm-hmm. a taxi service, okay. but also there'll be goods delivery through another arm. And uh, those will obviously not be owned. And then when you get into one, you're a passenger like you are in any taxi, except it's going to be safer and it'll be more reliable. And just the quality of the experience is going to be guaranteed. So what happens if there's a flat tire? What happens? So uh, the most interesting thing, I I come from a racing background. Mm -hmm. So 
I maintain my personal car at a level that the average person does not. I check my tire pressure. I don't even care what the computer says. I check it myself. And I also carry a full-size spare, which most people don't. So the average person will encounter at some point a breakdown or a flat tire and have no way of dealing with it other than calling AAA. A fleet-operated service like this with an autonomous vehicle, there's a depot. The Argo Depot is in Wynwood, uh, which has a very significant maintenance operation. So they're going to be maintained at a level far higher than any personal vehicle and almost certainly any ride hail vehicle. So if it goes over a nail and all of a sudden you blow a tire out, then I guess what? Some sort of technology will alert the headquarters that there was an issue and they'll send another vehicle to rescue the passenger? So at this point, we're still in test mode. Uh, But when that happens, either we'll deploy a vehicle or some facility will be made to put them in another vehicle by whatever means. The, The difference is when a ride hail driver has such a problem, they have no option. They basically advise the person, get out, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is to make, is to reduce friction at every point in the experience. I can't believe how corporate I sound because. <laughs> uh, yes, I know. I I, I, well, so let's talk, uh, about, let me, let's talk about the weather for a minute. You sure. talk about the fact that, you know, great weather here in Florida, mm-hmm. all that. Right. So then we have monsoon season right. where not only do we have the potential for hurricanes, which is easy because you just take the vehicles off the street, mm-hmm. right? If there's a hurricane coming, that's easy. But um, every every afternoon, somewhere between four and six, there is usually a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes late, late, late at night. And I know as a, as a driver, um, when I get stuck in that, if it's really rough, it can, it can be a very frightening situation. Mm-hmm. I would hope... That obviously, with a with a uh, a computer, the fear is taken out of that um, equation, right? But I would I would hope that they're able to to adjust. I'm going to I'm going to assume right? that these vehicles are better drivers than everybody in Miami. That's my assumption. Is, is right that now. the assumption? Is <laughs> well, that the obviously, assumption? that's part of it. The thing to remember about an autonomous vehicle is that it, you're not just relying on the technology to drive the car. There are a lot of people behind that. And there is there's a thing called an operating design domain, an ODD. So when you build any t- technology, if it's properly designed, part of it is that you define when and where it will operate. A plane, planes do this, cars, ships do this, and autonomous vehicles will do this too. So if conditions are beyond the ability of the vehicle to operate safely, they won't operate. It's not going to operate. operate. Well, and and so there's no surprises. Like a human being, every day around the world. We know this because I think this last year there were I think over well over 40,000 you know, fatal incidents on roads, drivers. Most of them were single car accidents. So what's, ha- what's happening is people are making poor decisions. They're driving in conditions they shouldn't. Right. So an autonomous vehicle right, operating a commercial yeah, and, fleet is they not don't have, to uh, The autonomous vehicle doesn't have an ego. Correct. Whereas mine is massive. Mine is also I could, massive. <laughs> <laughs> I could drive yeah. through oh, anything. But I, I, I almost said let's shift gears and that, and that would be stupid. Yeah, so I'm not doing that. Forget that came up. But um, you, you had mentioned taxi service and, 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 and sort of rideshare service uh, that automatically jumps into a red alert mode for this is a job taker industry. You're going to eliminate jobs. But over dinner, you corrected me and said, no, this is a job maker industry. Why don't you talk about how Argo or companies like Argo are actually creating jobs, good jobs here in Miami. So when you 
test, and well, when you develop and test technology like this, it takes a lot of people. You can't just, it's not a, a software update like a phone. So you've got to go to each city where you intend to operate. You've got to build relationships. You've got to uh, have a sense of where people actually might need these vehicles and also might need deliveries by these vehicles. And then you've got to send the vehicles out with two people in each vehicle to map the areas and then test the technology. This technology is in its, relatively speaking, infancy, although it's decades old. Uh, It's going to take well beyond our lifetimes for this to become ubiquitous. And as it expands, as the areas in which it deploys expand, people have to be hired in every one of those places to test it, to maintain it. I mean, again, I always use the elevator industry as a great example. The elevator industry used to, before elevators were an industry, in its early days, there were elevator operators. Mm -hmm. And those elevator operators are no longer common. But there are a lot more people employed by the elevator industry today than were 75 years ago when they were just operators. Well, now, and few, now you right, have right. to repair the elevators, yeah, right? So correct. that creates yeah. and workers. And what about areas where they don't want you to test these things? Now, you know, this show, the uh, the, the station is located on Key Biscayne, mm-hmm. and, and there was an article that Tony Winton, my, my co-host, wrote uh, several years ago, I think it was two or three years ago, where the chief uh, chief press on Key Biscayne said, no, it's too early. I don't want to, I, I don't want these things testing here. And besides, if they, uh, if, a, if a, you know, autonomous vehicle breaks a speeding law, who do I give the ticket to? So, like, you know, how do the you answer that? goes to the company, right? I mean, what's the big deal? I, I, just it, like just if there's sl- litigation. Slip it through the, the window? <laughs> that one, I'd have to defer to, like, Argo, Argo's policy. To, yeah, right. Um, but, you know, on, on, nice. a, well, on a general level, you know, I, I'm a New Yorker originally. I just moved to Miami four months ago. And I was hit by a, a, a taxi in 19, 1994. Uh, while I was on my bicycle. So I'm really sensitive to road safety. And as a new, a new arrival here who is w- eager to ride my bike on the street. It's not easy. Based on what I've observed. Ride your bike in Miami? Yeah. No. So I no, would, maybe over the Rickenbacker Causeway, but no. You know, I was a skeptic of self-driving vehicles for a long time as a someone who likes racing cars until I learned more about them. I would far prefer to ride my bicycle on streets populated by these vehicles, <laughs> given what I've observed yeah. of their test protocols and also the best practices. There are, you know, are many companies building these and some companies take a more, what's the word? There are best practices you can choose to match or surpass. And I would like to see them surpassed and the bar moved every single day moving forward. And I have, you know, I have a two-year-old daughter. I want to teach her how to bike. I, I want her to do that in a place where these things are deployed as opposed to the people I see on Brickle each morning. Right. <laughs> so. All right. Well, listen, we're, uh, we've run out of time. We're going to run up against a break here. Um, Alex Roy, Director of Special Operations for Argo, and as I said before, the most interesting man, at least in the studio at the Thanks. moment. Thank you for enlightening us about this new technology. Um, by the way, you uh, the next segment, when segment three is happy hour, uh, you're welcome to stick around and, uh, you know, shoot the you know what with Emily and I. We're going to go over what's uh, what's sort of burning up our social media feeds. And uh, we will, you know, it's a short segment it's about, uh, I don't know, uh, roughly 10 minutes. Yeah. So if you want to, you can stick around. But for right now, you're listening to Antisocial on 94.5 WSQFFM. We'll be back in just a minute.
And oh, we are back on WSQF FM Key Biscayne. This is Antisocial. Emily, I know not, I know you're not used to being on uh, radio, so... Uh. Oh, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what this segment is, Emily? Is this, is this when we all get to talk trash? Pour oh. the bubbly. Pour the it's bubbly happy hour. Trash. That's okay. right. So uh, this is usually the segment that where we talk about... Um, What's what's burning up your social media? What 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 caught your eye on social media? What what's interesting to you right now? Well, I mean, all over my feed, it's all about Oprah Winfrey and the Royals right now. That's what's blowing up my situation up. That really, and the, uh, Month. The, yes. the 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 interview, the interview, the, the big big interview where uh, you know you know what I loved you know. What? I spent, I really thought I was beyond being shocked. I thought, you know, I think I'm, I'm so jaded. I'm beyond being shocked, but, but that interview really shocked me. And then I saw a segment with, um, with Oprah where, uh, a journalist asked her, were you shocked about, about the whole racism issue or were you shocked that they actually talked to you about it? And she said, no, no, no. I was shocked that they talked about it. And and <laughs> you really think about it, Alex. Was this, is this something you were interested in? I, I was not interested because I took the racism as assumed. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. Well, exactly. as always, if yes. No, anything about English colonial history. Right. 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 So oh, I think goodness. I think what what's been shocking everybody is that the royals decided to like basically blow up the monarchy. I don't think people expected them to blow yeah. it up. How's the reaction been on social media? Have people like in your feed just upset with them or are they cheering them or combination most, of everything? Most 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 people, I would say, are um, uh, aghast at the royal family. Um, now that this has all become public, most people are supportive of, of, of Harry and Meghan. And I think on a more serious except side... Except the Brits. The Brits. Except the Brits, right, but they're not in my feed. And I think that, um, I think on a more serious note, the issue of of Pierce Morgan saying that she was uh, lying about about um, considering suicide and 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 on a, on a really serious matter the the issue of of um, getting help for people that are suicidal. I mean, I think that that's an issue that that's sort of the, a side issue, but it's a very important yeah, but side the, issue. The, the ire has the ire towards Megan been shocking to anybody? Because the Brits have lost their minds over this, and yeah. people in my feed are seem to be just like angry with her. People on your feed, yeah, you must have more white angry people on your feed than I do on mine. I don't know, man. I don't. I have but a lot of you, well, sympathy you know, on my feed. You know how I love nonprofits, and we do a lot of work in nonprofits. Yes. Fortunately, one has started up for this. Hello, I'm a middle-aged man with an embarrassing problem. I've formed a strong negative opinion about a woman whose life doesn't even affect me. And I like to express that rage in the public domain. Luckily, there's now a number I can call. Hello, you've called the Meghan Markle helpline. If you've got a ridiculous opinion about Meghan Markle, our helpline workers are bravely standing by, ready to endure your take so others don't have to. Who did this woman think she is that she can come along and damage the reputation of the royal family? That's Prince Andrew's job. But why did he marry a commoner? It's against tradition. He should have married one of his own family. 
I mean, she's so fake. Why can't she just be down to earth like his family that lives in the giant castle and dresses every day like they're in some sort of Jane Austen Comic-Con? Why are they going off on their own? Instead just of for the audience, we've lost oh Emily altogether. <laughs> Emily. That is hysterical. Where did that come from? That was, wow. in, that was in my social media feed. And it's courtesy of Tony Winton, oh who's God. thinking of this show even when he's not here. Oh, Thank you, Tony. That best. was awesome. That is the best. That was wonderful. That was so creative. I enjoyed that. And so, you what's know, going you, on on, you know on what's amazing is, the, there, to me, that the, 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 uh, the quick turnaround on the production was great. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, National Women's Day and Women's History Month. Yeah, that's pretty uh, I, I, As you guys know, I'm, into, I'm a marketing guy. I own an advertising agency. Uh, so the Burger King uh, debacle was really heavy in my feed this week. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Burger King uh, put out a lovely ad. I thought it was clever when I saw it. You saw it. Did you think it was clever? I, I thought it was very clever. Just, well, why don't you bring because, it down? Because you read it. <laughs> I read if you tweets. if you didn't read it, you would say, "Whoa!" So, I mean, the the point of the uh, of the ad and and the social media was Burger King, um, a fast food restaurant, uh, believes and has data that shows that women aren't in franchise ownership roles. They're not in head chef roles. They're not in restaurant owner roles at the at the level. And 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 Burger King would like to address that issue. Uh, and that was the body copy. Unfortunately, the headline read, a woman's place is in the kitchen. And... Yes. And um, social media imploded. Yeah. Uh, it went napalm and burned them to the ground. Um, and instead uh, of threading their tweets and saying, yes, we wrote that headline so you would get angry understand that it is a problem. That's why we're doing something about it. Uh, Burger King doubled down and deleted the tweet and apologized profusely. So, um, bad idea to start with. Good intent. Bad execution. It just seems like it would have been so... The social person who who wrote the threaded tweets didn't occur to them to move tweet number two into tweet number one as as a shield? Maybe a little lead. Are you saying? Are you saying maybe we could prep the audience that we're going to say something yeah. that you may not, rather than blinding you with rage right from the beginning and then expecting you to catch up with us? Wait, Tom, you're an expert here. Did 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 the tweet, the first tweet, have like a one slash x? So they people knew it was threaded. No. Wow. No. Yeah. That was the. That was. The, I mean. But you know, but Tom, like, you re- you know, people people you, you are, ha- oh, look at things very quickly. They have short attention spans. They they don't want to get in. The, you know, if they have to analyze an ad to get it, it's too deep, and you know, you have to get people oh, right from the top, especially so on dumb. social media where you're wing wing you're scrolling, wing, you're right. scrolling, and yeah. all you might see is the headline. Like if it no. was a TV commercial, right? I get it. If it's a print ad, I get it. Because uh, because you could throw a full page ad in the New York Times and have all that real estate to explain. Yes, I've made you angry with the headline, and maybe the subheading is right. that headline makes us angry right. too. Right. That's why You're we're in the doing something about it. Because you own the kitchen, right? right? That kind of thing, but- right? There's a plenty of ways around it. But what do they say about the road to hell? <laughs> it's marinating with good intentions. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, Alex. What's a, what? What is your uh, what is your feed? What do you what are you looking at? Uh, my my feed is filled with with Tesla stuff. I got people threatening me. They you know they think I'm I, I hate electric cars and safety because I'm against Tesla. What are you talking? No, you have a whole magazine or something dedicated to the death of. To, um, that's that's not me. That's a friend. Uh, you know, I drive a Tesla. I love it. But you know, there's a lot of companies are working on electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles. And if you believe, so that, you're not emailing Putin at midnight in no. Russia, <laughs> like I'm, Elon Musk. At least if something works, let people choose. Let people buy what they want to buy. If it's, I believe in electric cars. I believe right. in, in hybrids. I believe in autonomous vehicles. But it doesn't mean you have to be loyal to like a, one brand. Right. It right, doesn't right, make right. any sense. And so I, I get all kinds of people that are angry at me when I suggest that maybe we shouldn't believe the hype around one company. People well, get very emotional. Oh, oh when it comes to Tesla, I mean, how do you feel about Elon coming here to beautiful Miami to, you know... The tunnels? Yeah, to, to do what? Dig, build, build a tunnel in 30 days? Yeah, well, I think it should just go right to Key Biscayne. I think that would solve a lot of problems. <laughs> we could blow up the bridge. Blow up the Rickenbacker. Um, Let me ask you that. I used to ride. And then you could shut down the tunnel at midnight. Speaking of riding your bike, I wanted to encourage you to try the Underline. Have you heard about the Underline? You're new to Miami? Yeah. What is it? So it's it's the ground level uh, alternative to the High Line in New York. Oh, and okay. and they just opened their very uh, first section of it um, in the Brickle yeah, area. Brickle all the way down and to they, Bayland, and right? And they intend no, no, no. Well, that's that's the route of how where they how they that's intend where they're to head build to, it. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's where that's where it's going to head to. But the first, they're doing it in sections, uh-huh. and the first section just opened, and it has bike paths and everything. And as a matter of fact, it's going to be a big story in the April edition of. The Biscayne Tunnel. All right. Okay, that's oh, a nice cool. plug. That's there a good go. plug. Well, see, now you're learning. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's funny because speaking of plugs, I love to do a story about that in on, for this website called Ground Truth. There you go. Which is All right. A project I'm working on with my colleagues at Argo to talk about the, the true future of mobility, urban mobility and mm-hmm. transportation. Uh, we should talk about that. All right. Yeah, that's very cool. What else, Em? You got anything else? What else? Well, uh, Women's History Month, yep. I think, is definitely a big on my feed. I got, uh, you know how you get these reminders on Facebook of things you did a year ago and two years ago and it I pops up? You hate it's that? It's been so depressing. It's because been depressing. It's like, it's like pictures year, right? of me out hugging people. I know. <laughs> well, but, but at a February 29th of, of, uh, of last year, we had, uh, you know, I was on the board of the, um, I was on the board of the, um, Lord have mercy, um, of an organization. It's escaping me right now. And, and we, it's a side effect of the vaccine oh people. My, my Bill word, Gates is really, reprogramming it, her brain. Exactly. And, 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 and we celebrated the 100th anniversary of the women's right to vote. Right? Oh, awesome. Yeah. And, and we had, uh, a the gala, ju- the junior league. No, no, not the junior league. <sighs> Not the junior league. The, it'll, the, it'll come to you. It'll come to me. One hundred. <laughs> we celebrated our one hundredth anniversary. Help me out, Tom. The get, the, yeah, the the the, uh, the voting. League of Women's League Wars. Of league women of women voters. voters. Ding 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 oh ding ding. Oh my god! Ding, All ding. my league friends are gonna <laughs> kill me now. So so we I I planned that one hundredth year anniversary event and we had it at the Biltmore Hotel and that was on the 29th of February and then right like a week later the world went dead and so we. We did it right before the opening of Women's History Month. And so consequently, Women's History Month hasn't had the ability to really celebrate um, in true fashion 
it's going to go, it's going to be two years. Yeah. I think like that, like everybody's big event, like everybody, everybody's, everybody's, big everybody's event 2020 big right. event gala fundraiser that right. has been canceled. Legal and so, women voters love that organization. Holy smokes. I yeah. can't believe I burned out on that. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's big on my feet. A lot of people are just putting things up and honoring their mothers and grandmothers sure. and, and all of the wonderful women that have been a part of their lives. So that's big on my feet. Alex, I got two minutes. You want the last word? You should never say that to me. <laughs> How do I know? Only two minutes? Yeah, uh, at two minutes and 20 seconds. What is the future of downtown Miami? Because I'm in Brickell. I spent time in Wynwood and Midtown and Edgewater. What do you think they should do, the city should do with, with downtown? Well, I, I will be honest with you. Uh, for 18 years... Uh, the M Network has been in existence in Miami, and Emily has been a friend and an ally of our company for all of that time. We've had studio spaces in Wynwood. We have studio spaces up in Little River. We've always gone to these areas of town and found a warehouse and redeveloped it, and then the neighborhood catches up, and I can't afford the rent anymore. And so you came to downtown Miami? That's how much I believe in downtown Miami. I believe that I'm sitting at the next hot spot in Miami. It's a cool location. And I think that as businesses come back, I think, and, and I'm, 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 the, uh, I'm, I'm the crazy person, right? I think that when the big department store down here closed and left, that was the best thing in the world for downtown Miami because when people go to big department stores, they stay in the store. It kills off the local restaurants. Now there's little restaurants popping up. And if they could solve the traffic and parking problem in downtown Miami, people will not have a need to go across the bridge to Miami Beach. But why should this they solve it. that? I mean, if you go to New York City, you've got the same parking problem and traffic Yeah, but problem. you also have subways, taxis, yeah. and, a, and a light rail system beyond compare. So people can move around despite the traffic problems. We're, and not, we don't have we're that never going to get that kind of rail here. You know, uh, Alex but might you, Alex might have something to you, say about. But you can get protected bike lanes and autonomous vehicles, and and re, and solve the transit desert problem, and close off streets where it make them just pedestrian only, and create parking on the outskirts. I'm a huge optimist for Miami. I look around them. Like, this is a really great place to be. It's why we're here. Yeah. It's why this. It's why you're sitting at this yeah. studio at this location. It's why I moved here. So. All right, I'm All right. not gonna. I'm not gonna argue about it. It took me 20 minutes to get a parking space. So I have to say, <laughs> yeah, that's today. Today, but you give this place to Alex and I, we're gonna get it straight right. in a heartbeat. Right. That's why in 2024, Alex Roy for Poobah of okay. Miami. No, I'm not running. For All right, office. <laughs> we have uh, we have run out of time. Uh, Miami Times and Biscayne Times executive editor Emily Cardenas, thank you so much for thank guest for hosting me. with me. Um, everybody listening, you know how important local journalism is. Uh, so while you're stroking that big donation to support the nonprofit Key Biscayne Independent, please be sure to pick up a copy or better yet, subscribe to the Miami Times or Biscayne Times uh, and read them online and enjoy. Um, Alex, thank you for sticking around. You've been a great guest. And uh, who knows, next time uh, Tony's out, I might have you as my guest host. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Antisocial on 94.5 WSQFFM, Key Biscayne. As always, be safe, everybody. And again and again.